If you look at the iPhone, which is, you know, or a phone, which is what we use pretty much every day, we didn't go from a situation of having a separate camera, a separate bank account, a computer, newspapers, PlayStations, phone lines or whatever. And then all of a sudden we went to one device that did had all of those aspects. It was a multi-stage process. It, it will take time to, 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 to manage. And it could well be that we start off with a monthly pay cycle where you take down a little bit of your cash each each week to help you if you're, you, know, you have an act, you know, you're a tire burst on your car or whatever, or you need to buy some food. It could well be that over a period of time we move into, rather than what I see as early wage access, which is a little bit of an advance on your salary, to what is, in the Disney case, actually earned wage access. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast, the show that explores the latest insights and innovations in the world of payroll. I'm Nick Day, founder of JGA Recruitment, a specialist global payroll search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized Reward 300 member. And my goal for this show is clear, is to bring you expert guests and payroll leaders who are driving this industry forward. From cutting edge technologies and trends to compliance, analytics, automation, leadership strategies, and more, we're gonna cover it all on this show to help you to deliver accurate and timely payrolls across your organizations. So let's join together in raising the strategic profile of payroll worldwide. Grab your coffee or your favorite beverage, and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist payroll recruiters. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please do share it with all of your payroll colleagues and friends. The more we share the show, the more we can raise the profile of payroll for everyone. And of course, if you do get a spare moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or indeed your favorite podcast platform, please remember to do so. Every review makes a difference. So thank you very much for those that have already done so. Anyway, today I am joined very excitedly by Ted Beckman, the Chief Finance Officer and Founder of Income Group. Now, with everyone, including me, predicting that 2023 is going to be a year of evolution for the payroll industry, I decided to invite Ted to the Payroll Podcast Show today because I want to find out more about a particular hot topic that exists in the conversation at the moment that's right in the center of this evolution, and that's to discuss earned wage access, also known as EWA or on-demand pay or pay-on-demand services. Whatever it is you've come across, it's something that people are discussing at the moment. And there's a lot of misunderstanding. So I want to find out exactly what EWA means for payroll. Is it an opportunity or is it a threat? And I ask this because Income Group in particular have recently developed IG Send, which is an instant payment service for busy payroll teams. But it's also a solution that enables payroll teams and small business owners like myself to make instant payroll payments in just a couple of clicks. It enables employees to be paid more frequently and in line with their working patterns. Now, I say this because I believe there's a huge amount of misconception around current EWA solutions. And with many payroll professionals still not aware of how far the needle has actually moved since the concept was first introduced, I want to invite Ted today to really bring us up to speed with what earned wage access really means for payroll professionals as we move forward. For example, you may or may not be aware that EWA solutions these days, including the IG Send solution, often come at no additional cost to employees, meaning they can access wages they have earned in real time for free. And I highlight that because often people think it's related to 
loans of some sort. And we're going to get into the detail of that further during the course of today's show. Finally, with 80% of employees saying they would prefer to have their pay automatically streamed into their bank accounts as they earn it, and with 91% of millennial workers stating they think their employer should provide earned wage access, I, of course, want to find out more today about the evolution of earned wage access, and who better to ask than the founder of Income Group, Ted. So, Ted, welcome to the Payroll Podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Thank you for inviting me, Nick. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm going to start with my first question, which is something I ask all of my guests, and that's this. What do the words, what, what does the word payroll mean to you? I'm going to start off by using a, a famous game show, and I'm going to say that probably this is the moment I phone a friend, because I've listened to a number <laughs> of your, your podcasts. There have been some fantastic answers. Broadly speaking, it helps the world go round, and I don't think I can better many of those answers. But the one thing that I feel very passionate about is that I see it as the most undervalued asset straight discipline in a corporate infrastructure. You have CFOs, you have CTOs, you have CEOs, you have C God knows what officers. And yet the discipline that deals with the biggest asset, which is the, the payroll and the individuals who are paid, which is the reason they come to work, that have to deal with HMRC and all their compliance issues, making sure that the company is clean, that that processes and creates the highest value transaction each month um, is not represented at the C-level unless it is, in, it is invited in by one of those other disciplines. So I think in answer to your question, what does payroll mean to me? I think I'd take answer C. It, is, it helps the world go around and is the most undervalued discipline, sorry, asset in the corporate infrastructure. And that's my final answer. <laughs> love that. Fantastic. What a great response. And also, let's be honest, this is coming from someone, ladies and gents, that are listening to this show, who is a CFO, which I think is really interesting, has a background in corporate finance, working for top four firms. And I think this is one of the first times we've had someone who perhaps isn't involved in processing payroll necessarily, as we often have on the show, but coming from a CFO capacity, which I think is great, really recognise the contribution that the payroll community has. And I think that's fantastic where we're really fighting for that recognition in the payroll community. They want a voice at C-suite level. So let me ask you this then, with what you've just mentioned in that response, Ted, does that mean that the payroll professional community then is a bit of a, a corporate secret? And if that's the case, how can we change that? I, I think that's pretty much bang on. Um, I think there's a lack of understanding and I don't see it as a one-way street. I think the payroll community doesn't understand the value it brings to a business. And almost as a result, it can't communicate or position its value to the business to other members of the, of the company. And as a result, they are a corporate secret, as you, as you call it. And there are loads of examples, but the one that I would like to talk about is actually the pandemic. Now, there's no question that who were the real heroes of the pandemic, the NHS, the doctors, nurses that sort of kept us alive effectively. But during that period, without any fanfare, Week in, week out, month in, month out, the payroll fraternity and community process payments, keeping HMRC at bay, dealing with furlough changes, changes that happen regularly. And in, in a sense, we're you know, quite heroic in terms of doing this remotely, in difficult circumstances, not able to communicate with their colleagues easily. And yet at the end of it, I don't think that they got the recognition they deserved. I don't think that they were appreciated and I think it was really down to the fact that nobody understood what payroll people do and how complicated it is. Unless you're actually in it, you see it as being you know, something that, well, that, that group of people down the corridor just produce and I get paid. 
And there's a little bit of me that thinks, well, if you don't make a little bit of a fuss and have a bit of a fanfare, then you'll never get that recognition. Now, I was a CFO on on a quoted company uh, many moons ago, and we had a non-exec there who invested in the company, or his company invested in our company. Uh, It was a fairly famous high street retailer. And his CFO mantra was quite simple. You tell people what you're going to do, you do it, and then you tell people you have done it. And it really resonated with me because what he drew out was that that was the main difference between the sales people in an organization and the operations or support teams. So if you look at it from a, um, if you like the example of the pandemic, the salesperson would have started off by saying, so hold on a second, you want me to, to deliver all this in these incredibly trying circumstances? Now, I need all these sort of supports and helps and so on and so forth. So everyone understood the complexity of the problem. Then they would deliver it, and then they would make sure that everybody understood they delivered it, and there would be in a celebration as payroll was paid every month. Whilst sure. a payroll executive tends to take the, the view that it's my job, so you know I'll just do it without making any fuss. And as a result, they don't get the recognition they deserve, and therefore it is the best-kept secret. Um, no, I just think it's a really interesting observation. They, they just get things done. It's, they don't, they don't shout, shout about it. They just... Just and as an employee, employees just look at their pay slip and they don't really often need to think about who did it. It just gets done. That's because they don't shout about it. And during a, a presentation I did, I upset quite a few people by saying a lot of people don't actually look at their pay slips. And that's a, that was meant as a compliment rather than something that was negative because there's mm. this trust that the payroll people who are very talented know what they're doing and they produce a pay slip which is actually correct. But I don't think it has to be a hard sell. But I do think that they're having and having a structure of, of telling people what you're going to do, doing it, and then telling people that you've done it gives you that kind of structure to do so. I don't think that it is in the payroll person's persona to make a lot of fuss um, and to create a lot of fanfare. And I love humility. I think it's a great quality. But sometimes it's critical to step in because if you don't, it has a negative impact on the company and its individuals. And as a provider of EWA to the, to the corporate world, that's my biggest concern. And you know, I do see humility as a, as a great quality, but I'm not convinced that being a hidden strength is a good trait to have. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting viewpoint. And I, I value it because of the perspective that you have on it, Ted, as a CFO and founder of, of companies as well. I think it's really interesting. And I think we need to listen to that as a payroll community because we can learn from the views of those on the you know on the outside so to speak and i mean that with with you know with respect that it deserves i thought was really interesting in the pandemic it did get some recognition further afield i have first time in my life since i've been working in which is 20 years where scott morrison the, the, the you know prime minister of australia publicly came out and praised the pearl community and of course pearl professionals were considered key workers which i thought was recognition and you know they were thrust into the limelight more than perhaps they are used to. And the key thing for this show and for having guests like you on the show is to continue with that that momentum. Really, we don't want to lose momentum now that we started to gain some. Now that now that the payroll community found their voice through the pandemic by keeping people paid and and really showing their worth. Uh, it's always been there, but it hasn't been thrust into the limelight like it was in that pandemic. Now we need to keep that train moving forward. And it's interesting because they are a very humble group, a humble profession. So I ask ask you this then when we talk about the evolution. I, I want to get into EWA in more detail. Before we do so, mm. from your perspective, then what specifically do you think the payroll community needs to do if to to break away from 
you know, remaining humble, but also gaining voice, I guess. I think that there are two aspects. Firstly, that understanding what it is you provide the business is really key. And once you have that embedded in you and you are willing to promote it, you'll understand that people will respond positively. So I've been to a number of different events and there are sort of common speakers, a number of which have been on the, on one of these um, podcasts. And when people like Anna talk to her PPHE colleagues, or Katie to her Mazars partners or Maria to her BDO partners, and I don't want to embarrass them, but I, I'm sure that all their colleagues sit up and pay attention. And certainly when they talk at these events, they do it in, with a sort of air of humility, little self-promotion, but everybody listens. But conversely, I've been in business meetings where I was brought in to promote the income group solution. Um, and for illustrative rather than promotional purposes, if you can sort of bear with me, um, I was asked to support a, a payroll manager. She was running a 150-person payroll. She was suffering huge amounts of stress because she was having to do things all at the last minute and late hours and so on and so forth. And she asked whether we could help because our solution effectively provides two extra days worth of payroll processing time to the to the overall process. And in her case, the cost would have been about £20 a month. And she would have had two extra days and you know, mental well-being and all that sort of stuff. So we went into the meeting and we, we presented the case. I think it was well received, but the CFO was adamant that it was a banking cost and that was the end of it. And it was very frustrating for all sorts of reasons. And whilst I'm not a real sales expert, I, I understand that punching a customer on the nose is not the ideal way to, to <laughs> build business. But her humility stood in the way to the detriment of herself and the, and the business. She should have had the willingness to say, look, that's just unreasonable. This is what we need to do. This is why we need to do it. So I'm sorry, but you're wrong, Mr. CFO. And I, I guess b before we get into the, the EWA aspect in, in more detail, I think the EWA bus is definitely coming along or is certainly more likely to arrive than unlikely to arrive. And my sure. real concern is that the wrong people with the wrong silks, well, the wrong skill set will be asked to drive the bus. And I feel really strongly about this and passionately that the right person is the payroll lead. And the only reason they won't be entrusted is that because of their humble nature. And this is a once in a generation opportunity. Um, I was around at the, the turn of the turn of the century, sounds years ago, and I suppose it was, <laughs> where you, know, you had the personnel department, which was down the corridor, and then it became HR. I see this as an exactly the same you know, change in, in, in corporate structure. We need to be less humble. I recognize it as a CFO, the value that the payroll individual brings, and the payroll community should be willing to grab it before somebody else does and drive that bus, because if it's not driven by them, I think it will go off the rails. Sure. It's a really interesting view. view. I, I think for me, some of it and my my understanding and my experience and I guess my advice to the Pearl community here would be that the Pearl community needs to embrace a bit of a mindset shift, a conceptual shift that talks about if we bring EWA into the front and centre here in, in terms of where I'm going with this conversation, which I think builds on what you've just mentioned, Ted, and I hope it does. So bear with me, is the idea that and you mentioned right at the start of the show that payroll you know, is responsible for paying out probably more money than any other department typically in any business. So they're handling exactly. huge amounts of cash and they're often viewed upon by others as being very expensive. And yes, you need to be compliant, but ultimately it doesn't bring anything in. And I think that's where the mindset needs to shift. I think EWA is an opportunity for payroll professionals to, to lead that shift. And what I mean by that is 
because, as I mentioned in my introduction, 80% of employees are saying they prefer to have their pay um, you know, access to, e- to EWA solutions, and with 91% of millennials stating their employers should provide it. Actually, if we've got those payroll professionals driving the bus, as, 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 you, as you put it, it gives payroll people an opportunity to show that payroll operations can impact positively on a PL. And okay, it may not be in relation to money being uh, saved on your payroll costs, but it's saved in different ways. And, uh, and that's in ways of, of, of supporting HR, for example, in improving their talent attraction and retention strategies. If you're able to introduce EWA that keeps more employees engaged in your business or attracts new people into your business over a competitor, well, actually, there's a there's a financial profit in that because those people add to your bottom line. The, 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 the cost of replacing talent, as I know as a recruiter, can be expensive. And I think if payroll professionals can look at how they can partner with finance, partner with HR, partner with their boards to understand their objectives, actually, there's a lot payroll can do to really improve um, the achievement of organizational objectives to to reduce costs in other areas, and that may be in relation to talent and, and, and retention. I, I obviously focus there because it's what I do, but I also know uh-huh. that 80% of HR professionals highlight talent and retention as their attraction as their biggest challenge right now. So if payroll can support them in that, that really does turn payroll from being just something that pays out to something that can actually have a profound impact on the overall success of that business. That's just my view, but um, let's get into EWA then to see if if indeed my view is correct on that. Um, it's not something that's new, and I highlighted that in my introduction. So before we jump into what it is now, I wonder if you can give me a little bit of a background into how it's evolved. Because I think, personally, there's still a lot of misunderstanding in what it is at the moment, and and that, and that comes from what it used to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Nick. I, I think there is a misconception that early or earned wage access is new. It's been around for years or decades, and all that's happened is it's changed in terms of how it's used. It was seen typically as a lower income need. People that were borrowing money from either loan sharks or payday lenders, the Wonga company that that ran into difficulties, friends and families, and other unscrupulous providers. They were using it to actually put food on the table, and therefore they didn't have a choice, and therefore they were exploited. So EWA has been around for for a long period of time. But the difference now is that there is a material change, in in essence, brought about by the pandemic. Now, digital transformation is always driven by the why and not the how. And I'd like to give a non-payroll example just to drive the point home uh, without that pun meant. If you look at electric cars, electric cars have been introduced, and obviously that has reduced the carbon footprint. And that is the how. But the reality is it's my children and their generation have said the way we treated the planet is unacceptable and we have to save the planet. And that is why there's been all this um, activity on electric cars and and looking at how we can reduce our carbon footprint. And if you look at the income group story, it encapsulates this really well, both from a good and bad perspective. So we approached MasterCard six years ago following their first real EWA application. And if you're familiar with the, the US, they have approximately 5 million households who are called unbanked. And as the name would suggest, they can't get hold of bank accounts. So they have to use cash to transact. Yeah. Um, a number of these people were cab drivers. And in the olden days, you had a yellow cab. You stepped into the yellow cab. You know, Ted paid Nick his fare. And Nick, Nick went off and bought petrol and paid for lunch with the cash that I provided. And then Uber came along. And a lot of 
unbanked individuals started using Uber to, to supplement their income. They then ended up being paid through Ted updating his Uber app with the fare. It went on to Nick's Uber account, but Nick couldn't actually use it to buy anything. So they, he was stuck. So the why was that, that it, in that particular example, Nick could only work for a couple of days because after two days, he couldn't get his money because he had to wait sort of a week or 10 days before Uber actually transferred the money onto a prepaid card, for example. So what happened was Uber approached MasterCard and MasterCard provided the how. They replied the send technology, which enabled Ted to step into a cab, it to be promoted, or the fee to the taxi fare to be promoted onto Nick's account. Nick could then transfer it at a cost of, I think it was 50 cents at the time, onto Nick's prepaid Uber MasterCard card, and he could then use that to go and buy his uh, petrol or, or his food. We thought that was a really good model. We thought it would come to the UK, and we approached MasterCard and, and effectively did a deal with them became you know, FCA registered, et cetera, et cetera. And our why was that we had hoped that by presenting to CFOs that actually we could make the beleaguered payroll leads life easier by giving them an extra two days of, of processing time was a really good why. And that the how was how we had done it with Uber and we did the similar in the, in the UK. But the reality was that the why wasn't compelling enough. Now, we did have some success. We did, you know, we've done almost a million transactions, you know, a couple of billion pounds worth of value. But however we, we sort of cut it, the why was not compelling enough. But that has now all changed, which is why EWA is so mainstream. And the pandemic has been partly the reason. Brexit was another reason. But it also became a real corporate problem. I remember watching the TV and they were showing food banks in the U.S., and it was no longer full of blue collar workers. There were hundreds of cars, which were sort of middle or upper class cars, standing at the, or, or queuing at the, the food banks, having to use that as a way of feeding their families. So it was now no longer a, a lower income problem. It was, a, it was a mid, if you like, the equivalent of middle England problem. The financial crisis in the UK, the cost of living has made it much more of a UK problem. And it's become business critical attention and, and attraction and retention are really key elements of the corporate conundrum at the moment. And HR are looking at how they can keep people, how can, they can make sure that they reward and value their staff. So whilst before it was a way of making sure that lower income people could put food on the table, now it was a real business critical thing. It was no longer or is no longer a nice to have. I think it, it is a, a must-have. And I think that, as I said earlier, the bus is inevitably going to arrive. Sure. So the why was clear, and the technology changes that happened during the pandemic have made the how possible. And then you, you almost get the perfect stall. And you know, that, that's really where, where I am in my thinking at the moment. So from a compliance perspective, for the poor people listening to this, wondering about how it, you know, how we handle tax credits and compliance and changes, are there any considerations here that we need to bring to the fore to to alleviate any concerns in relation to whether or not this is going to, you know, have a a real impact on the way that the people are currently processing their payrolls if they had introduced something like your IG10 solution? Absolutely not. The way that it works is it's deemed from an HMRC perspective as an advance. And that is exactly what it is, is an early wage advance. And that the calculation at the end of the month is as it would be typically. 
And the only difference is rather than paying Ted you know, £300 at the end of the month, because I've drawn down £50, you just pay me £250. Now, there are some things that you have to be, you know, you have to carefully manage. So you have to make sure that I've earned enough during that period in order to, to facilitate that. But you have real-time calculation products, which effectively give you that capability. So typically, you'd have an app. You would be shown what you are entitled to. You would draw down an advance on that app. And then the next day, the, the app would be re recalculating how much you've earned up to that point. If you drew down once, you'd get that deduction from your end of month salary. If you drew down three times, you get those three drawdowns. So there's no extra compliance or payroll manager overhead in terms of time at all using the right EWA tool. All we're saying is that we can help with that process. And as part of it at Income Group, we can help with the, the funding of it, which is another point from a, a corporate perspective as to how it's managed. As, as a question then, and this is just maybe I, I'm not, I don't process poll every month, so maybe this, this <laughs> I don't know if it's a correct question or not, but did this see the end of the, the you know the, the dissolution, if you like, of the monthly pay cycle as we know it? Or would payroll people still be processing if they had a monthly cycle on a monthly basis, just minus any drawdowns in advance? Or do you think that actually if 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 EWA is adopted on a a wide scale basis, which we both probably believe it will be in time, we don't know how fast that bus is moving, but it is moving. That see the end of traditional pay cycles as we know them. Uh, again, a very very good question. I think the answer is it depends. It can accommodate both. So you have, for example, the biggest user in the states is um, is Disney, and that if you work a Disney shift, you can you know, leave your shift, and by the time you've got uh, back to your your car in the parking lot, it the, the money is automatically beamed to your account. And that is what they see as uh, as being real time pay. In that case, you have a, um, a a daily cycle, which is you know obviously much more intensive than a, a, a sort of a monthly cycle. But what I envisage in the short term in the UK is that you would draw down. You have the typical monthly cycle, and all that you would be doing is you'd be calculating it. And rather than transferring the net at the end of the month, as I said, of, of the full value, you're just giving you know, that less than the amount you've advanced. And the software tools facilitate that. So I think the answer to your question, it can be one or either. And I think that what one of the considerations that companies and payroll managers need to consider is that it's, it is like most technologies. I mean, certainly we've got this perfect storm of the need. Technology can do, you know, can do what's required. And my sort of call to the, the payroll community to, to, to provide the management of it. But, but what's happened is that you've got all these different elements. You can now you know, pay instantly. It can be calculated instantly. You don't need cash in the way you used to. It can be on your phone. You have you know, technology like cloud technology on your phone. You have Teams, et cetera, et cetera, as the way you communicate. But just like most ta technologies, it, it's a multi-stage journey. If you look at the iPhone, which is, you know, or a phone, which is what we use pretty much every day, we didn't go from a situation of having a separate camera, a separate bank account, you know, computer, newspapers, PlayStations, phone lines or whatever. And then all of a sudden we went to one device that did had all of those aspects. It was a multi-stage process. It, it will take time to, 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 to manage. And it could well be that we start off with a monthly pay cycle where you take down a little bit of your cash each each week to help you if you're, you, know, you have an act, you know, you're a tire burst on your car or whatever, or you need to buy some food. 
it could well be that over a period of time we move into rather than what I see as early wage access, which is a little bit of an advance on your salary, to what is in the Disney case actually earned wage access. And it's just a bit unfortunate they both have exactly the same acronym. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, yeah, that um, makes sense. So, so, I, so I think it is a multi-stage process and that you know, my, my children had a, a seizure if they you know, have to wait more than three seconds for anything. The thought of having to wait three days to get a back payment is just absurd especially when the technology facilitates alternatives. And this is just the first stage. So it's, you know, instant payment, and then it's a little bit of salary, doing it on your phone, getting used to it. And what we're seeing from customers we're working with is that the the percentage of drawdown is quite high. And it's actually, interestingly, mainly monthly individuals. Um, So on a a typical, and I I can't mention the names of these companies, but it's a thousand-person company, 30% of their staff draw down EWA, um, and those are the monthly payroll people who want to draw down an amount each week. In that particular case, an amount each week is pushed, and then they have the option to drawing down a further amount should they need it. But of that amount that's drawn down, not all of it is used to buy yeah, food, for example. Roughly 25% goes into a pension, 25% goes into savings. So it actually gives the employee the opportunity to use the money in an intelligent way. And the ability to do so recognises that not all employees are trying to manage their, their, their finances in a crisis. They, they want to use their money in a way that, that serves and benefits them. So I think it is a multi-stage process. I think that the direction of travel is, is reasonably clear in my mind. But there certainly are some challenges that need to be overcome. And I think a lot of it relates to education, not just of the, um, the individuals so they manage their, their finances properly, but also uh, making sure that the payroll community understands what can be done, how it can be controlled. And if I'm looking to them to be the driver of this bus, they've got to understand how the bus works. And at the moment, that, that is something that is uh, in its embryonic stages of, of, of education. And you know, the, the, there has been pushback and you can understand why. Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Sure. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned your your children there and they want everything instantly. We're in a, a world of um, of streaming and instant access to to many things from you know taxis using uber hotels films netflix all these things we want everything now and i, I think uh, you know that that's going to transcend into the world of payroll because that's what employees are demanding so it's interesting that really if you're listening to this and thinking you know what i'm never going to introduce pay on demand into my payroll option i wonder if you'll even have a choice because if employees are demanding it because they want access to it. And as millennials and, and Gen Z people want, want access to it in particular, which is the, the new workforce coming through, you're kind of going to need it or you're going to get left behind if indeed that bus is moving in the direction that we both believe 
that it is. So I think that I think that's really interesting. I think you've 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 put that in a really interesting way as well in terms of getting to grips with us helping us to understand what it is and why indeed it is a the perfect storm at the moment of need technology and management as you put it. We we do know that some of the concerns are justified. Obviously from from your perspective you have a probably different mindset to to perhaps others that are working in peril at the moment. But what what are some of the the things that the concerns though just give this I guess a, a balanced argument to it that peril people need to be mindful of if they do want to start looking into introducing an EWA solution, for example? I think that some of the concerns are justified. You know, there's no point jumping out of the sort of financial well-being frying pan into the fire. And if they're not well managed, then it will be super negative. But the, the, this whole thought process that the people who are able to make sure it does work are, are going to be the payroll community. And what I see as being critical to that is their mindset. And if you don't mind me going back to another car analogy, my idea of a car is quite simple. It's got you know, some tyres, broadly speaking, on each corner. And the biggest engineering feat I have is to try and find the keys every morning to drive it. Now, there is a whole heap of stuff that goes on under the bonnet, bonnet that you know, I'm not really that familiar with. And, and if I'm being honest, I don't really care about. But what an engineer does is he looks at it from end to end. Is it fit for purpose? Will it serve its purpose? Will it benefit the driver? You know, a, a typical conversation that I've had as a CFO is you're sitting there with the, the operations team and you're sitting there with the sales team. And the sales team are saying, well, hold on a second, I've sold this. And the operations team is saying, well, that's all very interesting, but we can't actually deliver it. The mindset of the payroll fraternity is that they want to deliver compliant payroll. They don't want to deliver payroll and this is my perspective, it's compliant payroll, 100% accurate, 100% on time. And it's all about the end-to-end process. And that without that mentality of an engineer, I think this is fraught with danger. And what's happened, I think, is that the payroll community are voicing their concerns because they are rightly saying, well, actually, I'm worried about the fact that somebody will take down all their money mid-month and then get to the end of the month that, uh, and they won't be able to afford to pay their rent. And what I'm saying is actually that's exactly the right question. But if you put that in the hands of the HR team who don't have that mindset or in the, the, the finance team who also don't have that mindset, it's going to happen. And there will be financial ill-being on the back of EWA. But if it's controlled properly, if it's performed in a meaningful way with real education direction, then it will work well. And the payroll mindset of the engineer is the one that I think you need in order to make it work. And this is, again, as a CFO, I, I certainly put the nose out of joint of a couple of HR directors I worked with because I didn't see payroll as a subset of HR. When I needed to ask the question, I just asked the payroll person. And that upset the HR um, director. But the reality is that that person, the HR director, would often take the credit for what payroll were delivering. And that just didn't sit very well with me. So I think the pushback is right because the payroll community cares not about whether you can pay someone. That's an incidental. It's whether you can pay them in a compliant manner without them getting into financial difficulties in a moderated way with education and all the aspects of the car. So it's just not as how fast can it go? It's does it have brakes? Could you have a, you know, a seat belt in case somebody runs into the back of you? All the bits and pieces that make a car work is what's needed. And I don't believe many disciplines within an organization have that skill set and that the payroll community has that 
and has to identify it and make everybody completely aware of what they can bring. Because without it, financial well-being will possibly be met, but maybe not. Regulation will possibly be met, possibly not. The decision as to how much should be allowed, etc., should be something that is controlled and managed and, and, and proposed by the payroll team because they're the right people. So I'm getting a bit repetitive, but you can sense I'm feeling... Yeah, no, the passion is good. Well, look, I mean, uh, the income group EWA IG Send Solution, I mentioned in my introduction, it comes at, at no additional cost to employees, so it means they get access to real-time pay for free. It leads me to a question, because not everyone necessarily may be aware of that, 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 that that's how it works, and certainly in your solution anyway, so it's good to bring that, that out there and get that message out. But do you think EWA is a is a cost of employment, or do you think that actually it's okay for some of the cost to be borne in part by, by the employee? I'd see it as a cost of employment, full stop. Uh, I think it's completely wrong that it's deemed as a um, an employee cost. I see this partly as the, the overall understanding of what it brings. It brings a huge benefit to all parties if they're properly managed. Um, and in a sense, to have it controlled by the corporate will turn a negative into a positive. So in order to do that, it has to be that corporate's cost. Um, I, I, if you look at certain industries, um, my, my, my son is in the, the filmmaking industry, they pay people weekly. And he's gone from a situation where he's paid monthly to having a weekly salary, and he uses apps that have been created by, uh, in his case, Starling, but they're available on other card providers, where he gets paid his amount that gets automatically redirected into several different pots so that he has enough money to pay for his rent and his, you know, his insurance and, and phone contract, et cetera. And he then comes at the end of the day, under the week, he says, right, I know I've got £120 worth of disposable income that I can spend on, you know, on, on sort of living and, and enjoying myself. Now, in that particular case, the production company have given him that guidance as to how it can be done in a really intelligent way. And I think that's where it has to ha happen here. So effectively, by making it a cost of employment, and I can talk about the ROI on that, it actually is well received and it actually will reduce costs because the employee will see the employer as looking after them and that lends to retention and the reduction of recruitment and, and so on and so forth. It'll be seen as a way of attracting people. But in order to do that, you can't say, well, you know, we're going to give you all this, but by the way, you have to pay for it. That doesn't seem right. And I think that you know, if we're looking at how much it costs the employer, I think there's a really clear justification of that, but it needs to be done at the employer level. So it is an employment cost, no different to most of the other costs. And to charge people a pound 75 to draw down out of a, a 30 or 40 pound drawdown is a ridiculous rate of interest, which is just, it's just not justified. And as soon as you see it as a cost of employment, not as a cost of banking, I think it automatically falls into the employer cost, which is where I think it should sit. Sure. Interesting. And um, yeah, I think you've given a good, uh, compelling argument for the ROI for it as well, which is really interesting. So but before we open the vault, um, Ted, it, I have to ask, and for those interested, I, I will put a link in the show notes to a demo of the IG Send solution. There are other um, sort of pay-on-demand solutions out there as well, so, so do do your research, but there will be a link out there so you can have a little play with that. But I wondered if, before we open the vault, you could just give us a bit of an overview of what IG Send is and, and, and how it's come about from the income group and, and the services you guys provide. Sure. So simplistically, we, we provide the payment 
aspect of the payroll process. So if you have a time recorded system, a payroll calculation, we can help fund and transact that payment. It can be done in stages. So if you're, a, as, as I referred to earlier, beleaguered payroll individual, then you're, you're struggling with the, you know, the five days to create your payroll, and then it sits in the, pay, in the back system for three days. And you want to make it so that you have, of that eight days, seven and seven three quarters to process your payroll. We can make payments instantaneously. They can be scheduled. They can be scheduled and changed up to the last second. And um, we can go from zero to, to processing and paying a payroll with them in a matter of, you know, of seconds. So that's our core proposition. Um, what we also do is we facilitate the ability to draw down that early wage access. So effectively, the customer is charged an amount per month. They can then offer that capability to their their employees, um, and their employees can draw down that money, and we we make the transfer and the payment of those funds using IGSend, and that's our our core proposition. We also provide, or we we are in the in process of testing for Mastercard across border capability. So there are various different elements that we can provide. But the core proposition is that you can send us a file at one second before midnight and we'll pay people one second after midnight. Uh, and whether that's EWA or just general month-end salary, send us a file and we can process it. So that's our, our, our proposition. Fantastic. I think the fact you partner with uh, you know, some behemoths in the industry there with likes of MasterCard, I think, you know, hopefully gives people a little bit of confidence in the solution as well. But I do recommend everyone goes and just does just their own research into this field. As we say, I think the bus is moving. I don't know how fast it's moving, but it is moving. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the conversation uh, around this subject at the moment with more and more companies adopting pay-on-demand or EWA solutions. So, you know, if this is a solution you want to find out more about, do have a look at the show notes. There's a link directly through to the IGSEN demo and there's other links to the website as well where you can find out more about Income Group. But before we get to that, uh, let me open the vault. Entering the vault. Three short, sharp questions for you, Ted. The first one is this. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now? I would implore them to understand the value they bring to an organisation and that because at the moment it's seen as a department that is sort of hidden away down the corridor doesn't mean that's right and that the payroll individual and the payroll department is a critical part of the corporate infrastructure and it's only, if you like, recently that it's been deemed as being less important. And if you go back through the history vaults, you'll see that a number of individuals who are, you know, you know Charles Dickens's father, for example, he was a, um, a payroll clerk for the, the Royal Navy. And that was something that, you know, in those days was actually a prestigious role. Um, whether Charles Dickens should have followed his his father's footsteps and written a book, you know, EWA, The Payroll Conundrum, and whether that would have been as exciting as Christmas Carol is a different issue. But the point is that the <laughs> payroll individual is definitely an important part of the cog and that you should stand up for your rights and make sure people understand what you do and its value. Yeah, very nice. I think also uh, for those that, that, that want to bring the value of payroll to your CFO within your organization or finance or HR, actually, I'd recommend they listen to Ted's first uh, answer to the first question is what the word payroll means to you. I think you gave a very, uh, very good example of the value of payroll, the value that payroll can have for those that 
are working perhaps in a CFO capacity. I think you 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 highlighted it very very well. So you know, go and go back to that part of the podcast, or, or get a soundbite and go and present that to your CFO to bring them up to speed. If they're if they're not fully bought into the value of payroll has, that might be a good way of, of bringing them into view. Uh, question number two: If you had the power of foresight and could change the entire payroll industry with one action or one improvement, what would that action or improvement be? To go on a sales course, I think that the ability to ask open questions is 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 critical you know when, when i'm asking about when i'm talking excuse me about roi my question in fact i can ask you the question Nick, would you prefer a seven percent pay increase in these highly inflationary periods or a five percent pay increase plus ewa where you can draw down money every week it's an open i'm going question. to remain unbiased on that one for the moment <laughs> fair enough but the, the what it does is positions it in a way where actually it, it, it engages with the, the C-suite, because they have to think about the answer. It's not a closed oh. question. So my, my initial statement is that the, the, the mindset of the, um, the payroll individual is one which is, um, as I said, an engineer. But to go on a sales course, and, I, and I've been on a sales course, it makes you feel mighty uncomfortable. But at the end of it, you understand the importance of being able to, to promote something that people will buy not necessarily what you want to sell them. And I think the payroll community could benefit from that understanding of how to do that. Sure. I think it's good advice uh, as a sales, uh, somebody who works in sales myself. I think um, if nothing else, it's about how to elevate that voice, how to elevate the payroll pitch, for want of a better way of putting it. And I think exactly. that, that sales training exactly. could be helpful. Much, sure. much more concise than me. That was, yeah. I knew you. I knew what you were getting at. It's absolutely fine. But actually, I think you bring another topic of conversation into the limelight here. I, I'm probably running out of time to get into it in, in too much detail. But actually, when we talk about financial wellness, which we know financial wellness impacts significantly, I think it's sixty-two percent of people with financial uh, health issues mm. end up suffering with a mental health issue. And this is another opportunity to bring financial wellness of your employees into the. The payroll conversation because payroll can have an impact here on on employee wellness from a financial health perspective, and the, we know the impact of of ill financial health, so to speak, can can have huge ramifications on the performance of of those employees within a business. And interestingly, it's not just those. And you asked me the question of which which option would I prefer, but financial health is not just impacting those that are on the breadline. It's, it's it's very much impacting those with the cost of living crisis going up who may have just gone on to variable mortgage rates and suddenly find themselves, you know what, I'm really struggling. Um, and I think this is something else which will really help highlight the, the very, 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 very important role payroll professionals can have in improving the employee experience. And I think EWA has a role to play in that financial, the improvement of financial health for employees as well, which is an avenue we haven't really tackled too much today. Uh, but I wanted to bring up bring bring to the fore um before i ask you the last question of the vote any additional thoughts you have on financial wellness and 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 the the, the payroll proposition uh, ted I, I think the point you've just made is actually a really uh, good point nick and that if you have ewa as a uh, some uh, sort of something that can be used uh, within a business and you see somebody drawing down money every single day it's a real trigger for action uh, call to action you can talk to them without them feeling um, you know, terrible about the fact that they may not be able to afford to, to, to make ends meet and how can we help and it engages with the employee. So I think it's also an early warning system in a positive way, because if somebody draws down once a month, then you don't know whether they're actually struggling or not and whether they have 101 loans that they can't afford to pay. So, yes, I, I do think that it has 
multifaceted benefits. And as time elapses, we'll get to understand better how to, to recognize some of the, 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 the implications of, of how people use it. Sure. Well, my last question, to lighten the, uh, the load a little bit from uh, financial health yeah. is a very, very serious <laughs> issue. I'm going to ask you this last question in the vault, which is, if Power were a song or a movie, Ted, what song or movie would it be and why? Okay. Well, I would pick Don't Marry Her by Beautiful South. Those of you that remember that from the, you know, the late 80s or early 90s, the album version, which needed to be sanitized for the, what was on general release. Um, <laughs> but the, the whole essence of it was that the lady was saying, you know, don't marry this other lady, marry me instead. And my, my reason for picking that one is I feel it's a bit like the EWA bus, you know, don't let somebody else drive it, let me drive it. So don't marry her, marry me. Very nice. I can sense you've thought about that one, which is great. It proves you've listened to this show on more than one occasion. Listen, Ted, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I think it's been a really important conversation here about something that I think is still very, very much misunderstood. As we say, the bus is moving. It, it could well impact your payroll department if it hasn't already. And it may not necessarily be a decision that's led by you. It could be led by your C-suite if, if their employees are demanding it. So I think there's an opportunity here to get ahead of that and really show the value you can bring to your organization if it's relevant for your business, if it's relevant for your employees. Uh, there's, a, there's a real opportunity here, as Ted said, to take the lead on this and make sure that you're the one driving the bus. So, Ted, thank you ever so much for bringing us no, up to speed you. in the evolution of payroll and the evolution of EWA. And, of course, for those that want to find out more, you can go to their website, incomegroup.co.uk. There's a link to the IGSend demo. Uh, I'll put some links as well to the LinkedIn company page, which you can follow. And of course, if you want to connect with Ted directly to find out more, I'll put a link to his LinkedIn page as well. And of course, if you are a payroll leader listening to the show, and perhaps it is talent that you are struggling with, and you need to find someone for that payroll vacancy you just can't fill, then I know a great recruitment company that can help, which is, of course, my team here at jgarecruitment.com. I will put a link in the show notes. You can contact us directly or by all means, reach out to me at nick at jgarecruitment.com as well or give our team a call 01727-800-377. Just leaves me to say one final thank you to Ted for joining me today on the Payroll Podcast. I look forward to bringing you all the next episode real soon. Ted, thank you ever so much. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. That's all for this episode of the Payroll Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and gained valuable insights and inspiration to advance your payroll career or your payroll operation. If you haven't already, please, please do subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And if you found this podcast helpful, please take a moment to leave us a little review on your preferred podcast platform. It's your feedback that really helps me to improve the show and, of course, attract new listeners so we can continue to raise the profile of the payroll industry for all. Finally, if you know anyone who could benefit from this payroll podcast, please do share it with them. Let's spread the word and build a vibrant community of payroll professionals worldwide. Thank you, of course, for listening. My name is Nick Day. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. In the meantime, I look forward to being with you again on the next episode of the Payroll Podcast real soon.